Good day, everyone. Welcome to the Digital Collective. I am James Hicks, and we have a fantastic show for you today. So sit back, buckle in, and let's get it going. Uh, Jeff Bull is a man who I consider a friend. He's a uh, technology storyteller. He's a self-pronounced productivity Greek, uh, content creator, and a micro-brew fan. Now, all of those tell you exactly why I like this guy, right? Today, you know, we're going to pick up a little bit from where we talked last time, I think it was six months ago, I was on his show and we were talking about remote work. We were talking about understanding and how we can adjust to this ever-changing world with the way that the world has stopped, right, over the last 17 months or so. So I'm not going to delay anymore because you didn't come here to see me. Ladies and gentlemen, let me welcome to the stage, Mr. Jeff Bull. How are you, sir? I am great, James. Thanks for having me. Thank you, brother. Thank you for, for taking the time for this conversation, very important conversation. We were talking behind the scenes, again, about uh, aspects of how this can pivot into a lot of, lot of different directions. So I'm, I want to get into it. I want to be also respectful of your time, and I want to be cognizant of the community. So shouts out to everyone that's coming in. I know we're streaming live on your channels as well. Just want to say hello to everyone that's checking in. So good good stuff. Folks, if you got any questions, though, Jeff is the is the expert well let me point this way Jeff's the expert I gotta remember I'm mirrored over here right? so yeah uh, I ask him I'm just a wizard of Oz behind this behind the screen putting up the uh the comments give folks real quick though who may not know you at least for, for my audience and my community give give them kind of that real, real brief elevator pitch of who Jeff Bull is if you don't mind absolutely so uh Jeff Bull um I like long walks on the beach pink drinks no um so I work currently full-time. I work for um, Cisco Developer Relations. So I'm a developer advocacy manager, which means I work with a group of folks who we basically are the voice of the developer community inside our company. So we, we try to translate what develop, software developers, cloud developers, whoever, do with their technologies and translate those into our business units internally to help them evolve and iterate what they're doing and try to help them marry in the middle. But aside from that, I'm a massive Star Wars geek. If you can't tell here, I'm in my shed here in a backyard in the East Bay, California. Um, so I love Star Wars. I love beer. Love half beer. My one of my tattoos is all dedicated to to beer from years of uh, of home brewing. Um, and I love woodworking. I'm getting. It's actually a new hobby of mine. I'm getting into woodworking a lot because I want to have a dedicated hobby since we're at home so much. I really want to have something for myself that I can go create with my own hands that is offline and doesn't require anything other than an audiobook and some imagination. I love it. I love it. So the, you're not sitting around on your hands like it's, like it's retirement time. I, I love that. You're, you're putting in the work. You're putting in the effort. Let, let's, let's get into the comments and, and let's get into the, the, the real meat of today's discussion, though. Again, we, we're, we're sitting at home in our studios. We're sitting at home in our sheds in our backyard right now, like, like you are these last 17 months or so adjusting to this new norm. What, what, what does that do to someone, right? From, from a psychological perspective, from a mental perspective, even, even from a physical health perspective. And, and, and I know that your channel now, you're actually uh, putting out a lot of content focused on how to ensure that we take care of ourselves as we adjust to this different dynamic. So let's talk a little bit about, again, embracing remote work, especially as it's focused over these last 17 months or so. It's a, you know, it's a, look, we were talking behind this, behind in kind of in the backstage. It's a, it is a much broader topic than I think most people ever realized when the pandemic hit. You know, the idea of remote work has been a reality for some industries for 
you know, a long time. But for most industries, it's been sort of a, yeah, you sometimes you can do it. Maybe you don't get to do it. Um, remote work has always seemed almost like this unicorn of like, oh, I work for a company where I don't have to be in an office. Mm -hmm. But it was always felt like kind of the exception. And so I don't think the majority of people really understood that what we've all found now that we're in the pan this pandemic where we have to be remote for the most part, you start to realize that working from home, working remote, wherever it is you live, it could be in a van, you know, lots of people are, have moved to mobile life and they live in van, you know, work from vans. You realize that it is not the same thing as working in an office for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, they're wide and vast. The biggest one I have found is that, it was a comment I made to you in the backstages, how do you respect your space mm. when you work from home? And how do you, how would you even know that you need to do something of like that? So to clarify for everybody, when I say respect your space, I kind of actually mean respect your spaces. And so a good example of that is, let's say you own a home or you rent a home, a house, let's say a single family house, got a few bedrooms, kitchen, distinct, distinct areas in the home that to do activities, whatever those common activities are. Well, it's not so hard in that case to say, well, I've got one room I dedicate as a, an office where I work. I got one room that's my bedroom, I sleep, a place where I eat. But what, what do you do if you live in a space where you don't have those clear lines? You live in an apartment, studio, lots of people do. Um, you live in a townhouse or some smaller sort of dwelling, or you have a bunch of family who live with you too. How do you find a way to respect the distinctions between these different spaces for different uses? And why would you even need to? Because when you're in office, mm. you left your house, you drove to work. And when you left work, that was your, that was your demarcation from work is now here and I'm, I'm out here. Unless I'm in some job where I have to do after hours support type things, there was a clear, clear delineation between where work was and where life was. When you work remote, that does not exist. And that I don't think true. most people, most people don't realize the emotional and mental toll it takes on you to know, like, I'm lucky that I have this shed in my backyard because like we talked about, I can just open this door and walk into the house. There is a distinction for me of where work is and where the house is. I don't always respect it, but there is. But that is not the case for a large portion of people. So how do you deal with it when you're in, you, you can easily just take a nap next to the desk that you work at? Well, now you've basically just connected your rest and personal time with your work as if they're one and the same thing. That is not good for your mental health. So how do you find ways to separate that? For me, that is the biggest sort of existential challenge you have to figure out when you are working remote. And that's what we're all trying to do here is understand how do I do that? How do yeah. I make that work for me? You know, and, and I want to piggyback on that and say, again, when you don't know how to separate or when you can't separate that effectively, something's going to suffer, right? Either the personal side, either the professional side, maybe both, unfortunately, but and then being able to acknowledge that and realize that and be able to make that adjustment, right? So again, I'm, I'm, I do my work. I'm at, at home. I'm in my bedroom. Unfortunately, I got the laptop on my lap. I'm sitting in the bed watching TV at the same time too. I'm doing all these different things. I've got all this sensory deprivation going on. I'm not completely focused on the task at hand, either from the professional side. I'm not completely focused on the task at hand if my significant other is, is next to me as well. So how do you get yourself out of that, right? Let, let me think, you know, how, how do you acknowledge that? It, it's really easy to say, yeah, you know, I need to go to the gym. I, I, I need to not do this. I, I see, we all see that, right? And we write down the plan again, first of the year, we say, you know, I'm going to do better. How do we get from the plan and turn it into the goal of actually doing something? How, you know, how do we move from just writing it down and actually putting something into action? Yeah, that is a that is the question. I and mean, first and foremost, that is the question. And uh, being flipped for a second, like if anyone has a good answer, a really good answer, <laughs> or their own version of the answer, chime it in. But 
my answer to that, or at least the response I try to take to this is I, I'm trying to remember who I heard say this. I believe that there's a podcast out there, um, uh, Angela Duckworth, and I forget her co-host name. It's a show called um, No Stupid Questions. And in one of the episodes in the conversation, her co-host made a comment about a methodology for how do you get started on like, to your point, go to the gym. If you're already somebody who's who's gym minded, you like that and getting in your car and driving to a gym is not a problem for you. Great. That's fantastic. But for a large portion of people, that's not the case. Like even for myself, I, I know how I feel after I leave the gym, but getting up and driving to the gym, even though it's like two minute drive away, sometimes feels like a mountain to move. So how do you how do you bridge that? And I think the the way that I heard before that has really helped me is, okay, break it down. What is literally the first thing that you can do? Not go out, not drive to the gym. No, no, no. I don't mean that. Even simpler than that. What's the very first thing that I can do right now to disconnect from the work that I'm doing? I can stand up. Okay, that's a first step. I can walk out that door. That's a second step. I can go sit on the couch. That's a third step. Trying to break it down for yourself to the most basic steps because those are all super, super consumable. Any of the, any one of those things are easy to do. I can stand up. Great. I could walk inside. I could go take, to even take you saying, I'm going to go take a nap. There's two or three things you could do before that. They're even simpler than that. And I think when we let ourselves break it down that way, what we start to see is that these little small steps you can take to just disconnect a little bit actually make a big, big difference. Mm. Um, one thing I love to do is I love to take walks. I found myself for a while, like taking walks and trying to be on, on calls. And I do love walking meetings because there's something about that, but I'm actually trying to stop even doing walking meetings because I'm realizing I like the walking time. It gives me a chance after a meeting to disconnect. Like I need, I just need to wrap myself around what I was just listening to in this call I had with somebody. I'm going to put on some tunes and I'm going to go take a walk around the block and just let myself kind of just be in it for a bit okay. before I go back to work. There's something about that that is really helpful for me. It doesn't require going to the gym. It doesn't require anybody else. I can just put some headphones on and I can just walk around the block real quick. Just something, something to take my mind from where it is right here and put it over here. Because once you do that, even for a couple minutes, you start to find these activities like going to do a hobby or going to the gym or prepping dinner for the family, all of a sudden become a lot easier because you've now distanced yourself even just a little bit from that thing that was overstimulating you before. And you, to you, your point, when you're sitting there with your laptop on your lap and you're watching TV and doing five things, it, it sometimes it feels easy to do all this multitasking at once, but it almost then makes it even feel harder to go do the thing you really want to do. Cause you're like, yeah, but I got to disconnect wow. from yep. all of this to do it. It's like, well, then you need to start with one thing, like turn the TV off or I'm here doing this, turn off the music for a second, close all the browser tabs for just a moment. Just one little, one or two little things you can do that start to like slowly disconnect so that you're just focused on the one thing. And then everything else starts to feel like, oh, well, since all this is out of the way, well, I guess I can just walk That's over there point. and do that real quick. That's a good point. You know, I, I, I see some folks in the, in the comment section and hopefully this lady is not talking. Hopefully she's just typing. Miss Jill is in the building. I, I know she's going through some things. I uh, hope, hope you get better, my friend. She says she uses an app called Timeular to help her compartmentalize and keep herself accountable. That, and we're all technologists here, so I'm, I'm actually taking note of that. And I love the fact that there's technology. And, and I knew the word that, that, to help you actually do those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to back up, though, and go into what, what you were just mentioned and kind of be a doubting Thomas here and kind of be just throw throw this wrench at you. Yeah. It's, it's easy and it's, well, it's not easy. It's, it's great to be able to talk to yourself and do that, right? And say, I'm going to set this space. I'm going to respect my own spaces, things like that. How do you then push that out to the folks that are around you? How do you tell your colleagues at work to respect the fact that 
yeah, we've got a meeting. I'm going on a walk right now. I'm going to go do this 15 minutes around the block right now. Don't call me. Schedule it around that. How, how do you actually get folks in your in your sphere to respect your your desires to look after yourself as opposed to always being on the clock? Ooh. Yes. And I, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to proclaim to be the expert on this and to know all the answers to it. Um, but I will say that there's a couple things I've been, I've benefited from, um, you know, the most extreme version of this is if you are not able to have, you need to have a conversation with a person, mm -hmm. but if you don't feel like you can't have a conversation with a person. And I mean, I'm saying this very hypothetically because I realize if I say, just go talk to the person, there's probably a ton of people in the chat going, uh-huh, sure. <laughs> and I'm like, and I recognize that completely. I'm just saying it because it needs to be said. But one option is, and it's extreme option, is if you're working for a company, working for yourself, whatever your situation happens to be, like Rich just said, turning your phone Turn off. Turn your phone off. Um, if, you, if you are in a situation that they're not willing to adapt to like a way, like a ways, a set of, set of working principles for how things should operate to give people the, the, the allowance to create a rhythm in their life that actually works for them, then maybe time to look at something different. But that's an extreme, mm -hmm. obviously that's a very extreme way to approach this because there's many other ways to, to deal with this. Um, one of the easiest ones I have found is I have conversations with individual people about it. So great, great example. I was talking to a peer of mine, uh, one of somebody that I work with directly on a daily basis. We, we, we both lead two different teams. And I told him like, Hey, yesterday I was at the doctor's office because I, I was getting tested for ADHD because I, I feel like I, I might have that. And I went to this thing. It was an hour and a half long set of paperwork I had to fill out. When I walked out, it was only four 30. My brain was melted. Like I walked away wow. feeling like I can't, I can't, it was, he was 60 page packet that you have to fill out double-sided. It was a lot of mental things I had to do. And I had an interaction also with somebody early in the day. There was some, I took it as somewhat negative. And between the two things together, they kind of lived rent free in my brain. And when I walked away with it, I'm like, I just felt like crap. And I realized it when I journaled last night that, you know what, I have some tools from a coach that I'm seeing that could have helped, but I didn't let myself just use that little tool of like, how do I stop and just go back and relook at this situation for a moment? So it's not really a direct answer to your question, but I think it's one of the ways that can help is finding any way possible to talk to another person about it. And it doesn't need to be somebody you're talking to like, Hey, please be my therapist and my coach. I don't mean that if you have that, use that resource. But if you don't have it, it's also okay. Talking to somebody to just say, I am kind of struggling a little bit with being in like two meetings back to back because I feel like I can't get anything done. And I don't know how to feel like it's okay to get up and walk away for a minute. I will guarantee you that nine times out of 10, the people you talk to will say, holy crap, I had the exact same thing happen yesterday. Everybody else is going through the exact same thing right now, but people just don't feel like they are allowed to talk about it. I even yeah. work for a part of my company that is super, super open to these things and super collaborative. It's like one of the best cultures I have ever worked in in my, you know, 20 something career, 20 years something career in, in technology. And even still, we find that we're not talking about these things with each other. Exactly. Exactly. And so I think, I think that is, it's not the answer. There is no existential, the answer, but I think that is the best first step is find a person you can talk with about it and just have a conversation. I appreciate that. That, that. That's really good. And you have gained a, a friend in Jill. I would make sure that you two connect. She, she, li she likes that vibe. She, she's definitely <laughs> someone you want to have one in your corner, too. Excellent. Uh, let, let me ask you this, though, because this this is really one of the, the, the focuses and the missions of the content that I put out as well. Having some of those awkward conversations sometime, you know, and finding that 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 social impact response or that social impact statement. A lot of times, unfortunately, men are very hesitant 
to reach out and ask for that help, right? To to say, I need a buddy. I need someone to talk to. I'm feeling vulnerable. I, I you know, I I need help. Mm-hmm. What do you, what are your thoughts? And I and I like the fact that we're having this conversation. To two guys that are in technology, two guys entrepreneurs and business things of that nature, so folks can see and engage and interact with us and, and see that it's okay <laughs> to have this type of conversation. Yes. But how do we go about changing that dynamic? Right? Again, why are why are guys, why are we so stubborn? You know, I think there's a, I think there's a long history of it, a a long history of reasons why we are. And I don't think it's all our own fault, but I also don't want to put it off on on like a previous generation say, ah, it's, I'll be a a smart ass here and say, it's ah, the boomers, they screwed us over. Like, (laughs) sure. It's easy to say that. And maybe there's some parts of that, but it's, these things are always nuanced. They're heavily nuanced and they come from a lot of places. But before I get further than that, um, I think Ms. Jill said, setting boundaries without sounding like you're actively setting boundaries in art. I love that statement. And I also, one of the reasons I love it, I saw a video on TikTok recently, someone talking about boundaries in relationships. And the person said that setting boundaries in a relationship is the someone reaching to you and wanting to set a boundary in a relationship with you is them telling you they want to continue to have a relationship with you. Mm. Someone who's not going to say that to you, they don't actually care if they have a relationship. But a person who's like, I want to set a boundary with you is telling you, I want to continue to have this relationship. There just needs to be something else in place so it can be healthy and productive for both of us. That is a good sign for you. And I think to your question, James, people who do that with you in some way is should be an indication to you. That person wants to continue to have this relationship with you. You can pursue that. It's okay to pursue it. Now, back to your question about, especially, especially for men, we have been told for so long that it's not okay to express your feelings and machismo and don't talk about, don't yeah. ever cry, like all that. Man, all shoot, that I, crap I that cry so every other day, brother. Let me tell you. <laughs> I feel my feels constantly. And the last year and a half, I've, I've finally come to terms with that a lot more. And it feels so much better to, to do that. I think for one of the things that comes out of that is we were sort we were at least in my generation and I'm in my forties, we're sort of trained for so long that it, it is not masculine to express those feelings. So we've always kind of been told that you're not allowed to go talk to another man about these things, Mm. but the likelihood is most men, especially men are are feeling these things. And women do too, but it's this weird social acceptance that women, of course, are going to be able to express their emotions as they should, as everyone should be able to. He, she, they, you know, cisgender, non-cisgender, you know, whatever you're, whoever you are, you should be able to do that. And I think what I what helped me a lot is with one of my friends. I didn't learn that until later that he is somewhat bipolar. Um, my wife actually finally told me this because I was, I was talking with her one day and she's friends with his wife. And we were talking one day and I said, I, I've been texting this guy for like four or five days and he's not responding. Normally he does. She's like, you know, he's bipolar, right? I'm like, I didn't know that. No, why, why would, she's like, how would you know you're his friend? I'm like, that's not something yeah. that we ever talked about. And she's like, his wife has told me this before. He goes through episodes where he struggles a lot. And I'm like, she's like, all he really needs is just to know that you're there. I'm like, it was hard for me to do because I'm not used to doing this, but I went out and I sent him a text and I said, Hey dude, hope you're doing good. If you need anything at all, let me know. Oh, let's grab a drink after your, you know, in the next week or two. And a couple days later, he replied back and said, Oh my God, that was the best thing. Like, thank you for just messaging me. That right there was the catalyst for me to realize, Oh wow. Like most of my friends are dealing with their own problems too. I want them to reach to me, but they're probably feeling the same thing. They want me to reach out to them and they want to, we do, but we just never do it. Like there's no perpetual emotion that just gets it in, gets it going. So what I try to do now, I don't want to say in trying to be a leader, I just, I, I find myself more like, I realize I need some help. I need someone around me. When we moved from one area to another area here in California to right before the pandemic, we had no opportunity at that point to like get out physically and meet people. So we've been stuck home. So all my friends are two mm. hours away from us. Gotcha. So I have to make an intentional point of reaching out to them and like, look, dude, I need some help. 
I'm just, I'm, I am in it right now. And I just could use someone to talk to for a couple of minutes. And every single time they're like, yeah, just jump, let's just jump on a call. Let's just chat. And then every time they need it and it just, it starts, you start to realize, oh, we're all kind of feeling this stuff too. We just, someone needs to be the initiator of it. Look, let me tell you something. You, we came in starting to talk about one thing. We were going to talk about pivoting careers, embracing remote work. And, and, and we're still on that path. And, and, and I love the conversation that we're having between you and me. For some reason in the comments, though, I'm getting, I'm getting flogged. Folks. You know, Steve, it's okay, buddy. You know, I, I got James. I got James. He can cry. If, he I, can cry if he wants to. It's his party. He can cry if he wants to. I wish I had I wish I had that set up as a, as a sound effect, but I, I just thought on that. I, 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 that let me go effect. back to the real comments, and I'm, I'm gonna see if I can have some moderators block Mr. Steve Worthy. But I like what <laughs> I like what Jill said here. Making <laughs> I statements on what I need is powerful and not as off putting than trying to tell someone you have boundaries, right? And I think this is the conversation that we're having right now is actually more important than again just learning how. To, best practices, tips and tricks and, and, and techniques for working remotely, you know, setting up spaces, things like that, that nature. We've turned it more into the mental health, mental care, self-care conversation and being comfortable with reaching out to folks around us and mm -hmm. saying that I may need some help, right? Or putting that onus on each of us to say, you know what, I'm going to be intentional. I love that word. A lot of folks within the, in the content creation uh, ecosystem are using that word as well. Um, being intentional of reaching out to folks around us, right? It could be a text message, which you got your phone with you all the time anyway. Send an old school snail mail message. Do, do something to where you reach out to someone because that, I think, is a win-win and it benefits both of you, right? It, it allows you to have yeah. that engagement, that interaction. When you're sitting out in that shed of yours in the backyard and, and you feel uh, disconnected from the rest of the world because we can't have those face-to-face -face meetings anymore right, right now. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the world, I was going to say not a lot of the state, but a lot of the world is still in a lockdown mm -hmm. situation. But don't wait for someone else. Take the onus and take the ownership yourself and, and be the initiator of that contact. You know, right? I can, even though Worthy is, 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 is talking trash about me, maybe I'll, I'll send him a text message later on and say, Hi, how you doing, brother? You, you, you good? You know, that, that kind of thing. But talk to us a little bit about what you do in conjunction with journaling. I, I love that fact, right? And, and again, I, I like talking about... Um, things that we can do within ourselves that are really bite sizable. We, we don't have to go out and try to boil the ocean, right? Every night I do something, I, I write down the three things that I want to do the next day, right? Right, right before I shut my eyes in, in, in bed, I write down the three things I want to accomplish the very next day. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a eat the frog kind of guy. I know worthy is a, is a Pomodoro kind of guy. I like to eat the frog and, and tackle the big thing first and then work, work on the smaller ones. But you talked about journaling at the end of the day in terms of what mm -hmm. you've experienced, what, what, what other things, and, and Jill mentioned, you know, an application that, that mm -hmm. she uses to kind of track uh, time and productivity. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that while we still have you. I think there's a couple, I think there's a couple things you can do. Uh, the, I love journaling. Um, I started this, uh, actually I started this was on you. I'll be honest. This was on you. You inspired me to do this. I started journaling after the last time we talked when you mentioned an app called day one, mm -hmm. and I started using it on walks and things like that, just to dictate throughout the day. 
Um, what I morphed it into was actually getting a physical book and writing stuff down at the end of the day. And the reason I did that is I realized that if I can stop myself for a couple minutes, put my phone down before I go to bed, stop looking at other things and just write a few thoughts. They're not existential. They're just some thoughts about like how I thought the day went, whatever it was. It gets that crap out of my head so I can try to decompress and actually get a good night's sleep. Um, but other things that I, other tools I find that are really useful. If you, if you're into this sort of thing, if you like day planners, if day planners are a thing for you and it helps you organize your time, right on. I think the getting up in the morning routine is just as important and starting the day off with like gratitude listings, like what am I looking forward today? Um, things like, what, like, what am I grateful for? And what am I looking forward to in the day? They don't have to be big things. Like I'm looking forward to coffee. Yeah, that's cool. You can, you are allowed to look forward to having a cup of coffee in the morning. Like, but having a, Hey, it's, a, it's not a rainy day today. The sun's up. Great. The reason for that is it's all about mindset. If anyone's ever looked into Carol Dweck's work on mindset, or shifting your mindset, mm -hmm. this idea between fixed and growth mindset, a lot of research on it, but the simple version is moving out of this fixed mindset where everything feels like it's just here and this is just how it has to be. You can never evolve from that. Whereas when you have a growth mindset, you're just open to the idea that things can change and iterate and we can do something about that. And so the idea of starting with something positive and they don't have to be big, just something that gets your mind into a place that you want it to be starting the day can be really, really useful. People think of it as, ah, it's like a platitude. No, it's actually not. Like your mind works that way. It will adapt. So I think all of these little single steps, write down one thing you're happy about today. I Even that. that can make Man. a big difference in your day. It's not, it may sound, it, I don't even want to say, it. I'm not going to diminish it in any way. It is, those things are a, a, extremely useful for your brain to set a tone for how the day is going to go and set a tone for how the day is going to end. And then even taking breaks, take a freaking nap midway through the day. It's okay to take a 10 or 15 minute. I, I love watching haircutting I've, I've videos. Fall, I've fallen asleep on this floor. Well, Dude. We, we won't get into that, but there we go, brother. <laughs> I, I love, I'll admit, I love, uh, I got into ASMR videos a little bit, but specifically like there's people who go around to barber shops and just get their haircut. And yeah. it's just a video of someone getting their haircut and styling. Something about that is just, it knocks me out for 10, 15 minutes on the couch. I love that. And then I wake up going, oh, I feel great. And I didn't think about anything other than just, relaxing. So I think you find, you do you, you find the thing that is good for you. Anything is good. So long as it's a, not a hyper-connected thing. As long as you're not hyper-connected to something for 10 or 15 minutes, once or twice a day, you were on the right path to whatever it is you need to be healthy. Man, that's, that's folks. I hope you guys are taking notes. Cause I, cause I sure am. Um, I, I, I love this comment here as well from Verlaine. So thank you for joining us in the age of mental health and remote work. Asking for help should be a skill. I love that. That's, pre that's pretty 100%. cool. 100%. Jeff, again, being cognizant of time, I know you've got some things to do again and, and the things you got to do are what's most important. You got family stuff to take care of. So we want, mm -hmm. I want to be respectful of that, but some of the tips, tools, techniques, applications, and, and things that you utilize in, in your day-to-day -day activities. I want to make sure that I get those from you so I can share them, put them in the description of, of this video on YouTube. So folks can take advantage of it. Right. And, and actually start utilizing uh, like like we've talked about day one, like we talked about uh, the app that Jill uses, some some of the other things as well. So um, talk to us real quick about where folks can find you because you're creating some phenomenal content as well. And I definitely want to shine the spotlight on you, sir. 
Totally. Yeah. So uh, you can pretty much find me on all the socials at Jeff Bultek. So on YouTube at Jeff, you know, YouTube slash YouTube.com slash C slash or channel slash Jeff Bultek on any social network at Jeff Bultek. Um, I'm spending most of my time right now on Twitter and TikTok. I'm actually really getting into t- to TikTok because I can do content creation really quickly. And to part of our conversation earlier, James, the barrier to entry for me in content creation has been like, how do I edit and all these things? So I'm trying to fall back on my, what's my unique value? I like talking about the things I love. So TikTok makes that easy, but I'm, I'm trying to do more of that also for my YouTube channel, more on remote work. And I put out a lot of content also for developer.cisco.com. That's my full-time gig. So a lot of developer relations things. I'm out there in communities for software developers, if that's your jam as well. I'm here to talk about tech and all these things. So yeah, you can find me anywhere. Just Jeff Bull Tech and you'll find all kinds of stuff from me. Jeff Bull Tech. Ladies and gentlemen, go out, hit him up, subscribe. We are streaming live on his channel right now as well. So uh, appreciate his audience coming on. Jeff, man, appreciate you. All right. This, this was a great conversation. This was succinct. This was to the point. This, again, it took a, a bend in the road from where we were probably going to go. But I think that's fine. Right. I think this this discussion mattered and resonated. I could tell from the conversation from the folks in, in, in the comment area that it struck the right nerve and, and we needed to have this discussion as well. So um, I agree. Yeah. You'll be good. Take care of yourself, man. I will catch up with you later, folks. Thank you for watching. Make sure you subscribe to Jeff's channel. If you want to check out mine as well, uh, I appreciate that. But uh, be good to yourself when we out.